So again, I apologize that we don't have the copies, but uh, again, if you have, if it's on the chat, you can look on the chat, and if not, you listen. I'll uh, I'll make sure to try to uh, translate everything. I'm sorry, with my voice. I don't know how much louder I can get, but uh, I'll probably get stronger as uh, as it goes on. Okay, huh? Okay, so so this is officially a part two. So uh, I don't know. Last week feels like a million years ago already. So. So uh, we'll try to chazer a little bit, part one, and then we'll move into, uh, into part two. Okay, so there's a basic question that we were dealing with, we started dealing with last week, and that is we know that uh, according to Chazal, when it comes to Geula, when it comes to Mashiach, there is a bi'ita. There's a certain predestined date of when Geula takes place. Now there's a debate in Chazal whether that, that Geula has to be with tshuva, not with tshuva. We pask in halach l'maysa that there's a predestined time for gula, and that's regardless of whether we deserve it or not, that's gula. But we also know that Chazal, in the language of Chazal, zachu achishana, that if we're zaycha, we could, pre, you know, we could uh, bring that time earlier, we could have it done earlier. <coughs> that's the idea, bita achishana. So the question that we were dealing with, we started dealing with last week is, how, what are the mechanics of that? How does that work? So to appreciate the question, what we explained was, is that the way time works, the, 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 the concept of there being a geula at a predestined time is, is that Mashiach, as we mentioned last time, Mashiach is not just, you know, we think of it as like, okay, we, you know, Golis is a time of difficulty, Mashiach is like, okay, now everything's fine. Mashiach is, is us moving into a new chapter of history. You know, this, uh, the world keeps on going and Hashem has plans for, for us forever to keep on getting closer to Him and and developing deeper and deeper connections to him. And there's certain, there's like certain tukufas, there's different tukufas, just like we have in, uh, in the years of Golas, there's in Tyro we have, you know, time of Tanakh and post-Tanakh, Rishayin and Machvarin, there's different tukufas. So in a, if you zoom out, there's a large tukufa, which is called Golas, which is called, you know, when I say Golas, it means basically from the creation of the world until you may see Mashiach. And Mashiach means us entrance, our entrance into a new tukufa. And Yemais Mashiach is that tukufa that sort of, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that entrance into uh, a time which is ushering, which itself is a corridor to Eilam Haba, to Tchies HaMesim. These are all different tukufas. And we explain that really in order, like, uh, like, any, like if you read a book, you know, in order to get to chapter two, you have to read through chapter one. And so every moment, we explained this last time, that every moment in time, every moment in, in a person's life is... Uh, is another page of that chapter, you know? And there's an avoid, there's a tikkun that needs to be done in that particular page. And there's potential that needs to be, that needs to be uh, manifest. And there are kaychas that need to be brought out, things that need to be fixed in each and every moment. And only when, and, when, and the concept of Mashiach is, is that when, when every paragraph of chapter one is finished, then you can move on to chapter two. And the Rabbanu Shalom has, has, you know, has had in mind from the beginning of time that you know, he knows when chapter 1 is over, when chapter 2 begins, and that's the Be'ita. That's the Be'ita. <clears throat> and so if that's the understanding of what Gula means, then the question, what's difficult is, how is there a concept of Achishana? How could one preempt that? How could you bring that earlier? How, you know, it is what it is. You could only, if every single moment of time of this tkufa, of this period that's called gullus, if every single moment has its own avayda, has its own inyan, that needs to be fixed, that needs to be uh, developed and brought out, 
then, then you have to wait for these moments to come for us to accomplish in those moments. How could you bring it early? And for Mashiach to come early, so to speak, that's like, uh, it's premature. It's like a baby being born prematurely. That's not healthy. Everything, there's a, there's a, there's every single moment is another, is another aspect of this kufa that needs to be brought early. If a person starts reading chapter 2 without finishing all of chapter 1, then even chapter 2 is not, you don't really have what's going on. So, so the concept of, so again, if, like we said last time, if Mashiach is just an idea of like this like carrot dangling in front of us, this like good gift that Hashem wants to give us, okay. So he gives it whenever, whenever he wants. He has this predestined time, and if we're, early, we're Zaycha, we could get early. But it's not like that. Mashiach means, Mashiach means that everything of chapter 1 is complete, and now you can move on to chapter 2. But, if chapter one, but how, could you, how could you finish all of chapter 1 if you haven't experienced all of chapter 1 yet? How could, how could there be a concept of, of me being able to, of us collectively and individually, be masakin the aspects of, of the world that have, yet, that have not yet come to pass. And in order for Mashiach to come again, like I said, everything has to be misukin to lead up to that point. And so uh, if Mashiach is supposed to come on a, on a Tuesday and you're holding on Sunday, then Mashiach can't come until Sunday's taken care of and Monday's taken care of. So how could you, how could you have Mashiach come early? You have to wait till Monday to fix Monday. And then you could have Tuesday. So that's the question of Bita. Okay, so... What we saw last week, because again, just to, to sum it up quickly, a little bit of, a, of a, just a direction. What we saw yeah. last week from the Kisviari is that the Rizal, although he doesn't openly talk about this directly, but the reason one place hinted to the following idea, that this, the key to understand this concept of how it's possible for there to be in Achishana, something happening, our ability to, to somehow uh, bring Tikkun to to pieces of, of reality that have not yet come to be, uh, the, the, the key to Achishana is the name of Kriyashma. The name of Kriyashma. The Rizal writes in one place that, that, if, that, that it's through the, when a person says Kriyashma, Kavana, the intention of Kriyashma, has this school, this Kayach of Achishana. So we have to figure that out. Like, what does that mean? How does Kriyashma help this? What are the mechanics of it? And so on. Okay, so, fine. Then we began to explain an idea, this concept of of every single moment in time needing a tikkun. So what does that mean exactly? What is that tikkun? What, what, are, the, what are the components of that tikkun? What would be, what, what is, every moment is different, obviously, and every moment, how the tikkun, and what the avoid of every moment is, is different. The avoid of one moment could be to daven shachras, the avoid of the next moment can be to give tzedakah, the avoid of the next moment can be, you know, uh, not saying Lashon Hara. But with all the different avodas that come through life, but behind the scenes, like what are the basic components? What's, what's happening? Oh, you got you. Oh, perfect, perfect. So that's the that, so so. If we can unravel that, then it will begin to help us figure this achishana out. So we explained as follows: is that there are two basic there are two basic steps to bring a tikkun to every moment. There are two basic steps. And these two basic steps are predicated on two basic ideas. Number one, it says in Pasuk, Ashabar Lakim Lasais, that the Rabbanishon created the world incomplete, incomplete. Which means that part of the Avaida, part of our Avaida every single moment in life is to actualize potential. In other words, every single moment, there is a certain, there, there, it's incomplete by its very nature. It's incomplete. And 
and every single moment of life, our avayda, the mitzvahs that we do, and so on and so forth, is about bringing, infusing in that moment uh, added levels of divine energy. In other words, there's a certain amount of, of koiches, a certain amount of Hashem's presence, so to speak, and Hashem's light, just to create the world that we, that we live in. But that's incomplete. Asher Kim Lasas. The Rabbanu made the world incomplete. And our avayda through life is, is to take a moment. So you come into a moment, uh, let's say, uh, so right now, I don't know what's, uh, it's 9.09. Okay, so you come into 9.10. So 9.10 is presented to you. But 9.10, as it's presented to you, is incomplete. The kaychis of what's contained in 9.10 are still locked up in potential. And your job as a Jew is to do your avayda of 9.10, which right now for us is to learn Tyra together. And by doing that, you unlock the potential of 910, and you allow uh, additional light, so to speak, of the Rabbani Shalom to enter into your life and into the world as far as 910 is concerned. That's one half of what every moment requires. Potential that's being given to you, and your job is to actualize it. Fine. But there's another side to that, and the other side is, is that since the sin of Adam and Chava, not only, this is what we spoke about last week, is that not only is every moment in time incomplete in terms of potential being locked up and we, and we need to actualize that, that was always true. Even before Adam and Chava sinned, they still had avoided to do to bring out the kaychas of every moment. True. But since they sinned, not only is every moment incomplete, but every moment is also mixed up with, neg- with negativity. And so because of that, there's, there's a dual avoida that we have to do every single moment. First and foremost, we have, to do a, we have to engage in the moment in a process that's called bira, of sifting, of separating the good and the bad. And once we can separate the negativity of the moment and isolate the raw positive potential, now we can allow ourselves to actualize that potential. So what does that look like? So, like I said, 9-10. So every single moment of life, there's, there's, there's a certain avayda to do. But with that avayda also comes a Sahara that says, don't do that, right? And so by every moment that we come in contact with, in that moment, the first thing we're, we're, the first thing we're faced with is a negative force telling us not to do what we have to do. And by us overcoming that and doing what we have to do, so what you just did is two things. We separated the negativity. Again, all this happens, on, we're talking about on a spiritual plane. It's not anything physical, but what you're doing is initially is separating the negative and isolating the positive spark, so to speak. That's the language of the, of the Mekubal and the spark of Kedusha. And that spark, just like any spark, it could turn into a bonfire. But it has to, you have to isolate it from, from the dirt and, and everything else that will extinguish it. So you isolate the spark and then uh, it could expand. Then it can go, it could go greater. In the language of the Mekubalim, I'll just explain like this. In the language of the Mekubalim, these two processes, these two steps of isolating the negative, uh, uh, I'm sorry, isolating the positive, right? And removing the negative and, and isolating the positive potential. And then allowing that spark to, to you know, to, uh, to catch on. So in the language of the Mekubalim, this is described with two words, two, two, two sentences. One is called Mayan and you read this it's just good to know it's good to know the language means the raising of feminine waters 
and you read this, Mayindukhur means the descent of masculine waters. In the Svarak, the masculine versus feminine is, is very much related to this, where there's, where, where uh, so for example, we know in Chazal, base is Uishtai, the female is connected with the house itself, right? And so the house means everything being arranged properly and masudah and organized for then life to, to come into the house and to, you know, so the wife, the wife repairs the meal and everything's, everything's great and the husband comes and makes a mess of it and, and consumes all of it. You know, that's the way it is. So halos mayinukva means the ascent of feminine waters means that process of isolating the good potential. And then once that process is, once that first aspect is done, then you could have Yuridus Mayindukhur and you could have the descent of masculine waters, which means that spark now being able to actualize. So every single moment has these two qualities to it. Now, we explained last time as well, this is all leading, uh, leading to what we're going to speak about tonight. What we explained last time as well is the following thing, is that when, under normal circumstances, that these are the two steps involved in bringing a tikkun to every moment, then because, the, because everything depends on step one, which is, here, let, let, let me take a step back to explain a little bit more. These two steps, again, step one being sifting and isolating the spark, so to speak, and then step two, an increase of divine light to allow the moment to actualize its potential. These two steps are fundamentally differentiated between us and Hashem. In other words, our primary job is that initial step of separating the good from the bad. That's our initial job. That's, that's primarily on us. Once that initial step is taken, has taken place, now the Rabbanish Shloilam then comes and, and infuses divine energy into that moment for it to actualize and to become full. Just like the moment itself was created by Hashem. So the moment that was created by Hashem is incomplete. And the complete version of that moment is also created by Hashem. But what we have to do is prepare that moment properly to receive that added light. So step one, which is halos mayinukfin, the ascent of feminine waters, is primarily on us. And you read this mayin the descent of masculine waters, the full ripening and development of that moment, that's Hashem. But here's the point. Here's the, the nakuda. Because the, the, because the, the, the tikkun of every moment has these two components to it, and it starts with us, so here's the principle. The principle is, is that even Hashem's role in bringing a tikkun to every single moment, because it depends initially on our avoid of separating good from the bad, so even Hashem's uh, involvement is going to be defined and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, mugbal. It's going to be mugbal, it's going to be uh, 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 limited to our involvement. In other words... Because, it, because the, the tikkun of every moment initially starts with our avayda, so then the Rabbani Shalom is like following suit, right? We're the, we're the cause, so to speak, and Hashem is the effect. We start and Hashem finishes. Because we're starting, everything goes based on its beginning. So that because we're starting it, even Hashem's response is going to be limited to our avayda. Which means, and this goes back to reinforce our question, because we are limited by time and space, so automatically, would be our avoida on our side of things, of so separating good from the bad and isolating the spark, is automatically going to be only for 9.10. And the only way to then do 9.11 is to wait for 
And the only way to do 9.12 is to wait for 9.12. And so since our Avaida from our end, is by its very definition limited to time and space because, because we are, so even Hashem's response is therefore going to be limited. So when we're talking about the tikkun of every moment, even though part of that tikkun or the second step of that tikkun is from Hashem's side of things, and Hashem is infinite, and Hashem is above time and space, but because it's only step two that came after step one, and step one was something that we did, and we are bound by time and space, so then even the step two that Hashem responds to us with is also going to be limited to time and space. And so this is the, 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 the and this is, this is, again, this is the, the quagmire that we're stuck in. If, we, if, if the tikkun depends first and foremost on us separating good from bad, and, and by the way, to, to explain, and that's absolutely necessary, because if you were to skip step one, and Hashem were to just infuse energy into that moment without us first going through the process of birur, then you know what would happen. Then everything would be increased in that time, in that moment, including the the Yitzar, the including the kachas of, of impurity. And you have this, I mean, we find this in life, that when a person, uh, you know, if a person, you know, you can imagine someone, you take a person from, uh, you take a time machine or something like that, and, and, you, and you take a civilization from a thousand years ago that are underdeveloped morally, and ethically and technologically, and you give them the, the atom bomb. It's a disaster waiting to happen because you're just giving them kaychis. And the problem is that they haven't, they're, they're barbaric. They, and and that, that, the kaychis that you're giving them are not only, you're not only giving their good kaychis, you're also giving their, neg- their negativity kaychis. So in order to be given energy, you first have to refine yourself to be able to receive it. Otherwise, the energy that you're being given is going to feed every part of you which has yet to be refined. And so th- this is why you have to have a step one. But again, here's the problem. If there's a step one, automatically step two is going to be defined by that. And so this is the problem we started with. How could there possibly be an achishana? In other words, for the, let's, let, let's put it this way. In order for there to be an achishana, what you have to have is just a step two without a step one. You have to have the rabbanish loylam bringing a tikkun and infusing energy into into you know, into the system from his side of things, and Hashem is above time and space. So as far as Hashem is concerned, he could take care of 9.10, 9.11, 9.12, 9.13, everything he wants. But the problem is, if Hashem is doing that without us first sifting through our inyanim, then, 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 uh, then that's, 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 that's atomic energy being given to, to barbarians. But how do we know how much tikkun we have to do, how much avoidance? That's where we have Shulchan Aruch. That's exactly what halacha is. Halacha dictates to us exactly what every moment needs in a chanami. And listen, could it ever be 100% certain? And could we, have, could, we always, could we ever have the absolute confidence that we did everything we could? Probably not. But at least the framework within which we can figure out what our avayda is, that's shulchan aruch. Exactly. You have different philosophies. Extremists. Yeah. Again. So that's, that's, it's shulchan aruch yeah. colored or framed by the particular messiah of that person. So it's also the same. This, this, is, this is where real deep hashgacha practice comes in in terms of every single person. Because what 9.10 is for you is not 9.10 for me. And what 9.10 is for me, it's not 9.10 for him or her. Everyone has a little different... Every moment is its, it's, its own universe and every single person is his own universe in that moment. And so... Yeah, exactly. And that's why that's, that, that's the complexity of the system. So, so, you know, for this person, 
the avoid of that moment is, is one thing, and for another person it's something else, but the sum total is this, is this idea. And so here's, here's the basic mechanics. In order for Achishana to work, we would need to, to allow the Rabbanish Loilam to be doing everything. We, we, need a, we, would, we, would, we would require the Rabbanish Loilam to just bring light and shef and energy into reality. And if, and if it's coming from Hashem, and if it starts from Hashem, then it's not limited to our, to our perspective and our limitations. But again, then the problem is, so then we're still barbarians. That's the question. That's the question. So that's what we have to figure out. Okay, so in the Marmokamis that you have, Baruch Hashem, we have, we have copies now. So we have, what you have in front of you is a few different pieces from the Balatanya. The Balatanya in a few places talks about this idea. And Bashkach Pratis, you know, it works out like this. Bashkach Pratis is related to the Parsha. So I'll be honest with you, I didn't think of it, but yeah, that it was going to be, but it is. So in the beginning of the Parsha, we have Moshe Rabbeinu saying, that Moshe Rabbeinu after conquering Sichr and Oig on the other side of Eretz Yisrael, so Moshe Rabbeinu says that he thought maybe it was an opportunity for him to make it to Eretz Yisrael. So he davens to Hashem that he should be able to come into the land. And Hashem obviously says no. But Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, then at least I should be able to see the land. And so Hashem, meaning goes, let me go in to Eretz Yisrael and I'll, I'll, I'll leave, but at least I should be able to see it. So Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, even that, no, but you can see it from Chutzlarz. So the Baltani in a few places talks about this Indian of Moshe Rabbeinu wanting to see the land. What is the significance of this Indian of Moshe Rabbeinu seeing the land? So let's take a look at uh, Maramaka number one. So this is from the Sefer Mamori Admar Hazokin. There's a set of Svarim. It's, um, the, the classic Svarim of the Baltani is obviously Sefer Tanya and also Tayr Ar and Lukut That's the name of his Svarim on Chumash. It was, it's actually the same Sefer, but like uh, when it first started off being printed as Tayr Ar, that's for Bereshis and Shemais, and the Russian government, you know, censored it. So they just continued with a different title, Kutitayra. So, but it's the same, same Sefer. But then we have this other set of Svarim called Mamari Admar Zakin, just Mamarim on different topics. So in the year, the Mamarim of Tovkov Samach Gimel in Parshas Veschanan. So he says the following thing. The context of this Mamar is that he's talking about this idea of there being a Tikkun of every moment that starts from us, Right? And then Hashem responds, versus a type of tikkun, which we have yet to explain how this works helpfully, a tikkun that starts from Hashem, which would be a way for Achishana to happen, but then the problem is that we're all stuck in, we're still barbarians. But that's what he's talking about. These two mahalchim, these two approaches. That's what Tani is describing. Either the, the one from above coming below, or the one from below coming above. In other words, the, 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 the process, the normal process of Bita, which is step one and then step two, he's describing that as below to above, right? In other words, it starts from us, and then Hashem responds. The other approach, which is just above to below, just Shefa coming from Shemayim, allow, us allowing the Rabbanishim to come into the world, and uh, Hashem taking care of things, that's called above to below. So he says, Yeshem b'avodis Hashem, these two approaches do exist in Avodis Hashem. This isn't we'll see about soon, but the Baltanya is giving us this window, is that fundamentally these two approaches exist, and one is called the way of Tyra, one is called the way of Tfila. So again, a little bit of a background. Tfila is, is representative of the normal approach, the approach of starting off 
uh, from us and Hashem responding. That's what davening is. Davening is the first place in Chumash, for example, that, that avoida, that our effort is described, is the Pasuk says that uh, Hashem created the, the grasses and so on, but, uh, but there, was no, there was no rain yet. So the things didn't break through the surface. Because there was no human being to work the land. Rashi says, what does it mean to work the land? Rashi says, it means to daven. So davening is being described as avayda, avayda that the human being has to do. Chazal described tyrus chayisha, temporal life, life of the moment. In other words, because tefillah represents, even when you, when, you, when you ask of something, Hashem responds. So tefillah represents this idea is that we start, we sift, we isolate the nakuda, the potential, and Hashem responds with that. And because of that, the response of Hashem is chayisha, it's limited to the moment. And that's why we have to constantly daven. And even what you're, what you're answered, lavdafka, will you be answered tomorrow? We have to constantly daven. So tefillah represents the normal model of below to above, step one and then step two. Tyra, on the other hand, says about Tani Chiddush, Tyra represents the, 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 the concept of allowing Hashem into the world where it's all from Him. It's all from His side. Because what's Tyra about? Tefillah is my own personal words. Even in Sheikh Nesitla, we have a sitter, but the sitter is really just giving us, uh, you know, a script, but it's our words. What's Tyra? Tyra is the Rabbanu Shalom. All of Tyra is the human being saying, Rabbanu Shalom, I want to hear what you have to say. That's what Tyra is. And so it says the Baal Tyra represents a model that the tikkun is happening from Hashem. And the avoid of Tyra, it's interesting because Tyra, it's a, it's a funny thing because Tyra usually requires a lot of effort to figure things out. But fundamentally, what you're really trying to do is make space for Hashem. And you're really trying to get rid of your own ideas and allow, allow yourself to hear Hashem's ideas. That's really what Tyra is. And so the fundamental, fundamental avoid of Tyra is really to make space for Hashem. And the fundamental avoid of Tfila is to get Hashem to do something. And so Tfila represents, again, the normal step of step one and step two. But Tyra is really allowing Hashem in. And so Tyra is going to be this key of what? Of Achishana. This is, by the way, why Chazal say about Taira that, that if a person learns Torah Lushma for the right reasons, Sam Chaim, it's Mamish life. But if a person learns Torah for the wrong reasons, it's a Sam Mavis, it's Mamish a poison. Why is it a poison? The answer is because Taira is, is divine energy. And, and if you're full of chaos, then that energy is coming and it's going gonna, it's gonna to enhance your Yetzirah too. So when a person learns Torah, they could come out of the shir, they could come out of the learning with more ego and more gaiva and more yeshas and more problems in life. And so why is that happening? Very, no one, I don't, very rarely do you have a person that comes out of a, like a good davening like, you know, with more of an ego. Tefillah doesn't do that. But Torah can do that. Why? Because tefillah automatically, fundamentally, is built on the first step, which is, Sifting through the negative, it's a certain level of humility, and like you sort of, yeah, there's there's there, there's an inner avoda to to develop one's amuna and to be honest with himself. There's a, there's a birur that takes place with davening, and so automatically, whatever shefa comes to you with davening is already healthy. But with with taira, where you're just making room for Hashem, but if you're still messed up, then then you're just going to get more messed up. So, what we're, so again, what we're going to see, therefore, is, is that the secret of Achishana is through the path of Torah, but somehow in a way that doesn't allow uh, us to get more messed up by it. So we'll see. So he says like this, We know in halacha 
that someone who is what's defined as Torah someone whose entire business is learning. In other words, the example of Chazal is like Shem you know, his, his whole life is Torah. he doesn't have to daven. It's such a lacha. Why? So on a simple level, he's putter from davening. He's too busy learning and so on. But it says about time, it's more than that. It means if he's put, if a person who's completely tiredic doesn't have to daven, it means that whatever davening, whatever davening would accomplish, he accomplishes through tire. And so that's the idea because whatever whatever shefa is coming through tefillah, tire has that even more so. That's why tire is called chay oilam, eternal life. Tire has a quality, by the way, that it's very much not limited to the time that you're in. Uh, for example, um, um, if a person, Chazal say, Chazal say that if a person learns the halachas of karbonus, it's as if you bring karbonus. What do you mean? How could I bring karbonus now? There's no base in Mikdash. I'm not in Eretz Yisrael. So I'm, I'm off in time and I'm off in space. How could, how could it be that by learning, it's as if I bring a carbon? In order for me to bring a carbon, I have to be in a different time and I have to be in a different space. The answer is, Torah is above time and space. You don't say that with davening. Torah has this quality. Because again, Torah means sort of not, not step one and just step two. So he says like this, Vatam um, And he says like, And so on and so forth. Okay, so that's, that's, that's uh, fine. Let's go to the next, next paragraph. And El Tanya, based on this idea of Torah versus Tefillah, and again, step one, and then step two, or just the step two. So the Balatani explains this is what Moshe Rabbeinu's intention was. Um, yes. Okay, so Balatani explains like this. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu is Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu himself is, is, as we know, is above time and space. Moshe Rabbeinu, his whole life was above time and space. He comes into the world, Pasuk says the whole Chazal say the whole house was full of light. The light, the Moshe that light is should only make sense after a lifetime of avoda. So all of a sudden he comes into the world, like as if he's an old tzaddik, and he leaves the world. The pasuk says with as much energy as a young man. It's like the whole Moshe whole life is like a, you know it doesn't make any sense. Chazal say that you know Haman was happy when the girl fell out in Adar, right? Because Moshe Rabbeinu dies in Zion Adar. Chazal say the Lush of the Gemara is, but he didn't realize that Moshe dies in Zion Adar. He's also born on Zion Adar. So Rabbi Tzaddik says, what do you mean? That's a backwards order. You're born on Zion Adar, then you die in Zion Adar. The Gemara says he was born on Zion he, he died in Zion Adar, he's born in Zion Adar. Says Rabbi Tzaddik, Moshe Rabbeinu. But the day that he died was also the day that he was reborn. Reborn in what way? He just took on a new form that's called part of all Klai Yisrael. Every single Jew has a piece of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is eternal. Moshe is everywhere. Moshe Rabbeinu is in the other side of the Jordan, which is also Eretz Yisrael, Chutzlaretz. Moshe Rabbeinu, the, 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 the territory of Eretz Yisrael that Moshe conquers, which is Eber Yardain, is itself hard to figure out what is it. In Halacha, it's, it's questionable. Some aspects it has Eretz Yisrael, some aspects it's Chutzlaretz. So what is it? Because it was conquered by Moshe Rabbeinu, it's hard to know where it is. Because that's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is Kulei above time, Kulei above space. Moshe Rabbeinu is all tire. Moshe Rabbeinu is all tire. And Moshe Rabbeinu's whole role in life was really just to make space for Hashem. So Moshe Rabbeinu has no own, none of his own ideas. Moshe Rabbeinu opens up his mouth and, the, and Hashem talks through him. Chazal say that, that when Moshe Rabbeinu spoke, he didn't have to even move his lips. He literally just opened his mouth and Hashem spoke. 
Because that's, that's Moshe Rabbeinu's Indian, is Vanach Numa, just be nothing and allowing Hashem into the world. Moshe Rabbeinu, let's understand, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu's intention to go to Eretz Yisrael was, it, Baltani explains, we don't have time to go into all the details of this, but Moshe Rabbeinu's intention was, if he made it to Eretz Yisrael, then that would have established, going forward, that the Iker Avayd, the Iker Mahalach, is this way of Torah, of allowing Hashem to do everything. Now Hashem did not let Moshe Rabbeinu go in. And Moshe Rabbeinu does not go into the land, and instead the Eretz Yisrael is under the Malchus of what? Of not Moshe, under the Malchus of David. Right? Yeshua, but eventually David. David Melch is what? Davening. So this was, this was a debate between Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu, basically. What should be the primary Mahalach? Should the primary Mahalach be Torah, which is allowing Hashem in, and He'll take care of everything? Or should the primary Mahalach be Tefillah? And Moshe Rabbeinu, now it's, it's easy for Moshe, I like to say these words, but it's easy for Moshe Rabbeinu to choose Torah, because Moshe Rabbeinu himself is mamish like a, like, like a pure, holy neshama without much chaos. So fine. But Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, we have to go with the path of tefillah. Because if we go with the path of Torah, then, uh, you know, it, it, it's, I'm gonna, it's giving atonic, atomic uh, energy, like I said, to barbarians. So we have to go through this process of tefillah. This is why Moshe Rabbeinu was not allowed into the land. But then Hashem says to Moshe, then Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, okay, but at least let me see the land. What does it mean to see the land? Okay, so he says like this, uh, next, the second paragraph. Once Moshe saw that Hashem does not want him to be allowed entrance into the land to actually set up a malchus, that it should be a malchus of Moshe Rabbeinu, that everything should be in the way of Torah. But at least he asked the following thing. That at least he should be allowed into the land. The year that he should be able to see the land from within the land. And Moshe Rabbeinu's intention with that was that maybe then he'll be able to get what he wants. You know, maybe, fine, maybe he won't be the Melech and so on, but at least he'll be allowed entrance into the land and see the land. And by seeing the land, he'll infuse his, you know, sort of his Avaida into Eretz Yisrael. And then even if you'll have the Malchus of David and Melech, there'll still be a, a very strong influence of Tyre. She Elyon Yard So he says, but even this Hashem did not want. Rather, what Moshe Rabbeinu was allowed was to see Eretz Yisrael from uh, and this, And he should only see it from a distance. And what did that accomplish? So he says an amazing thing. Because Moshe Rabbeinu saw the land, albeit from Chutzlaretz, the, the eyes of Moshe Rabbeinu were at least able to impact that you could at least have Yechidim that could connect to the way of Moshe Rabbeinu. So although the general population, the general public would not be able to be in the way of Moshe Rabbeinu, they'll have to be in the way of Tefillah, of step one and step two, but Al-Kopanim, Yechidim, individuals will be able to, to connect to the power of Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu sees it from Chutzlaretz. And that's what you have, Tarasim, people that are on the, on the level of of Tarasim Nasai, the concept of, the, of, be, of having someone that's completely Tyra to the point of where he doesn't have to daven and so on, that his avoid is just to allow Hashem into the world, tzaddikim, tzaddikim like that, that's because Moshe Rabbeinu saw the land from a distance. Now there's another place in the Balatanya, just interesting, um, it's getting late, but the, no, there's another place in the Balatanya where he also talks about another effect of the vision of Moshe Rabbeinu from Chutzlaretz. 
So again, Moshe Rabbeinu, what he wanted was that every Yid should be able to live a life in the Ikra of should be in this way of Torah. That wasn't meant to be. But Al-Kopanim, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to see the land from a distance, which again accomplishes so far one thing, which is that you can have Yechidim be like Moshe Rabbeinu. And you can have Yechidim accomplished in this way of bringing uh, Hashem's light into their, into their lives. And for those individual people, they have a way of being masakin. 9.10 and 9.11, 9.12, at least vis-a-vis their universe, you know, even before their time, even before they have to make it to their time because they're connecting to Tyre. Again, but on a collective level, Klai Yisrael is still stuck in this way of Tfilah. So you have Yechidim, this, again, this is an idea that I've mentioned many times, is that Mashiach, there's a concept of a Gula Klolis, of a collective Gula that we're all waiting for Mashiach, but then there's also Gula Pratis. Every Neshama, can experience their own particular redemption as well. And so the idea of there being at least individual neshamas that could experience their Mashiach before the, their particular be'ita, that's because of the vision of Maishar Rabbeinu, that you can at least have individuals connecting to this way of Torah. But, but those individuals that have to go into the system being pretty pure anyway. So, but on a collective level, it would be impossible. So, in Maramukha number two, the Baltanian in Lukute Torah, also in Parshas Eschanan, he mentions another influence of Moshe Rabbeinu's vision from Chutzlaretz that does have an effect on everyone, albeit not to the extent that Moshe Rabbeinu himself wanted, but something. So he says like this, so is an idea, the Balatani says again, the way of tefillah, again as we've been saying, the way of tefillah is step one, and then step two. First, we do our vayda, separating, you know, conquering the Yitzhar of the moment, and then the Rabbani Shalom can infuse energy, because, because that, that moment has been, ref, has been you, know, uh, you know, refined by us, and, and the neg- negativity has been isolated, but again, then the energy is limited to that moment. Balatani says though, it's a principle in the Svarim, that even the kaychis that, that we have, the motivation, the inspiration that a Jew has to even conquer the Yetzirah of the moment also has to come from Hashem. And as Chazal say, If it wasn't for Hashem's help, then you wouldn't be able to conquer the Yetzirah. So ironically, even step one, which is to conquer any Yetzirah, you need some siyata dishmaya. It, it's, it's help from above. It's not Hashem doing it, but it's help. Where does that help come from? So said the Baal the help that a person gets even to start step one, which comes from Hashem, that initial help, that's from Moshe Rabbeinu seeing Eretz Yisrael from Chutzlaretz. Because again, what does, tar, what does Moshe Rabbeinu mean? Moshe Rabbeinu means Hashem doing everything. So for Hashem to do mamish everything, that we're not zaycha yet. That we weren't zaycha. But at least on some level for Hashem to do everything in, in, in the sense that even step one needs siyat dishmaya. And to get that siyad d'shmaya, that's from Moshe Rabbeinu's influence. So these are the words again: "V'gam liyas b'chinis esus d'lasata." For there to be an awakening from below, which is step one. Liyas esus d'leilo, which then causes an awakening above, which is step two. Tzarech liyas tchilas esus d'leilo. You first need an awakening from above. So you first need a siyad d'shmaya for the Rebbeinu to help you and to inspire you to then do step one. So although it's still step one and and you're still doing it, but that itself came from help from above. Where does that where does that siyat come from? Where does that where does that uh, uh, inspiration come from? Shubachinas baskal yaitzis marachayv. It's a well known teaching from the Baal Shem. Chazal say that from Har Sinai every single day a baskal comes out from Har Sinai, saying uh, you know everyone should do tshuva, everyone should learn Torah, and so on. 
What is the what's the purpose of that baskel? So it's well known. The Baal Shem Tev said that baskel gives a Jew the inspiration to do what we have to do. Our neshama hears that baskel. The, the the help from above, which causes thoughts of tshuva. And that itself comes from Moshe Rabbeinu's vision from Chutzlarts. And we do and Chazal actually instituted to make brachas before you do a mitzvah. The bracha that you say before a mitzvah is trying to connect to that siyat deshmaya, to that help from above to get you to do the mitzvah. So the mitzvah, the actual ma'isa mitzvah, for example, that's step one. That's your doing, right? But you make a bracha first. The bracha that you make first is that connect, connecting to the to sort of the siyat deshmaya that's waiting to be tapped into. And that siyat deshmaya is coming into the world because of Moshe Rabbeinu looking at Chutzlaretz. He says, Ki asher What's the berachas right? It's the to Hashem and so on. That Hashem sanctified us with His mitzvahs. Pirish, Shadeya mitzvah shem b'chinitzvus l'sata, through the mitzvahs, which is our effort, shenasim d'orim gashmi, which is physical, so obviously that's, that's what we do. Nasesus d'leilo, what happens is we become sanctified. So in other words, what's a mitzvah? We do something and we become sanctified. That's step one and step two. Which brings Kedusha upon ourselves. But in order for us to have the ability to become sanctified with mitzvahs, there has to be a first initial help from above to even get us moving. And that's Baruch HaTashem, Lekein HaMelechayim. So whenever you make a bracha for berachas mitzvahs, that's the intention. Bracha to Hashem means that you're trying to connect to the the siyat that's being offered to you, and then once you have that siyat now you're you're moving. So kitchanu b'mitzvah, you do the the mitzvah, and you're sanctified because of that. So that's what's going on. Again, he, he ends off achlei but again sheyavbarts, but again all this Maisha rabbeinu the siyat that does come in, uh, from Hashem's initiative. Uh, to, to give us that potential to do step one. So if Maishu Rabbeinu got into Eretz Yisrael, as I said, it would, all, it, would all be, it would all be from above. It wouldn't just be Siyat Lishma, it would all be Mamish Ben Hashemayim. But again, we weren't Zaycha to that. Sha'azai Meshpiva Bechinitz Arpnimi, and so on. And Kiyamra Aysa Merachayk, Shaydeza Riyam Merachayk, Nasla Bechinitz Merachayk. Okay, he goes on. That again, this idea that because, Hashem, because Maishu Rabbeinu is so from a distance, so even the, the Siyat Lishma that comes is sort of. Uh, you know, conceptually from a distance. So it's sort of like an influence surrounding us, but it's not, uh, doesn't necessarily penetrate. You have to still take the initiative to grab the, the, the bull by the horns and do something about it because Moshevin's vision was from a distance. That's the idea. Okay, so this is what we have so far. Again, this is the approach. So we have this Malach of Torah, this Malach of Tefillah, and we have Moshe Rabbeinu wanting for things to go in the way of Torah. Which would, again, means that you're allowing the Rabbanishim to do everything, making room for Hashem. And once you're making room for Hashem, Hashem is doing things, He's not limited to time and space. But again, the problem is, if you're Moshe Rabbeinu Dik, and your mom is pure and holy, and you don't have much of the Yitzhara, so you have no, there's no downside of, of doing that path of Tyre. And if you're, maybe not Moshe Rabbeinu himself, but you're, you know, uh, uh, one of the chosen few that have that purity to them, so fine, it's also nishkei ferlach, but for the vast majority of Yidden, that we're full of inner chaos, so so then 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 choosing the path of Torah is 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 unhealthy, because again you're bringing Shef into your life from Hashem, which is unlimited, but you're not refined yet, 
And so again, this, this brings us back to the first question, which is, okay, so how do we have Achishana in a way that's healthy? So now we go back to the Arizal. The Arizal said the answer is Kriyishma. See, Kriyishma is interesting. Kriyishma, Chazal instituted as part of davening. It's part of davening. Now he's a part of davening. It's, it's Mamish, the introduction to davening. But it's Torah. These are, it's Parshish and Torah. So Kriyishma, so Kriyishma is a funny combination. It's Tyra, but you're davening with Tyra. It's Tyra turning into Tefillah, Tefillah becoming Tyra. So Kriyishma is going to be the key. So what does that look like? Or in other words, let's put it this way. <clears throat> Somehow we have to figure out a way how we do step one without it limiting step two. We have to be involved in the process of sifting ourselves out but not in a way that we are limiting Hashem's response. That's going to be the key. Because by, by us getting too much in the way, so Hashem is now limited to our initiative. But we have to be involved somewhat. Because if we're not involved somewhat, then... So what's the... So Kriyishma is this, is this balance. What does that mean? So take a look at Marmok number three. Again, this is from the Mamar of the Balatani over there. Once Moshe Rabbeinu saw the Baltani, where he's coming from is in Parshas Veschanan. In Parshas Veschanan, after Moshe Rabbeinu uh, talks about how he wanted to go into land, and he wasn't able to do it, and he sees the land from a distance, that's when you have the Parsha of Krishma. So Baltani is asking, what's Krishma? What's the contact? Why, what, what's the connection? So it says Baltani like this. Once Moshe saw that he wasn't able to go into the land, and he was only able to see it from a distance, but he came up with an Eitzah. Moshe came up with an Eitzah. Moshe came with an Eitzah to give us the ability to bring the Rabbanu Shalom's light in Hashem's terms, in other words, for Hashem to do it, where at the same time we're involved in the process of Bira without limiting Hashem's response. Rather, it should be, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I skipped. The Zeosh Amrlehem Parshas Kriyishma, and that's the secret of Parshas Kriyishma. Pirish. So he explains this is a little bit uh, Kabbaldic, but he says like this Shema, we find that in, one of, in the name of Shema, so Shema is, is a combination of shame ayin. Shame ayin. And ayin rabbas, we know the letter ayin in the word Shema is big. Levar Berud and Tzutzah Kedusha. The word shame ayin is a hint to the idea of sifting of clarifying, of step one. Why is that? It's not for now. And then Shema, which corresponds to step one, even on a very simple level, listening means, you know, uh, you have to pay close attention. You have to, you know, if there's a lot of noise going on to hear one thing, you have to, you have to focus on that. So once you have Shema, then you can have Yisrael. Yisrael means step two. Shukan Madrigas Maishar What's the secret of Shema Yisrael? So I'll tell you outside, then we'll say it inside together. The secret of Shema Yisrael is, it's fundamentally Torah. In other words, the idea is that you're allowing Hashem into the world. And a person is learning Torah and keeping mitzvahs in a way that you're trying, that you're allowing Hashem to do it. You're bringing Hashem into the world. But... The, 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 but the, 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 yeah, you know what, okay, let, let, I'm not even going to try. Let's, let's, let's see the Balatani himself and, and he'll explain it for us. What does Shema Yisrael mean? 
So he says, Loshen Shemahu in in kibbutz vasifa men hapizer. It's like this. The, the, all of this, all, all, this entire discussion w- was predicated on one assumption. What's the assumption? The assumption is that we're limited by time and space. So we, we're, so right now, whatever time it is right now, so uh, right now we're limited to whatever time we're in right now. It's 9.57, it's late. So 9.57, so that's limited where we're in right now. And therefore, this, that, that's what the whole discussion was based on. That if everything is starting from our perspective... So in Mela, it's limited to 957. Hashem's response is limited to 957. But there is an idea that is follows. In the Svarim in, in Chassidus, we find the following idea, which is that there is one part of us that's actually not limited to 957. And that's our Ratzin. See, everything we do, everything that we think, and everything that we do is limited to the moment right now. But the part of us that's called our desire and our dreams, a person could be dreaming and a person could have their rutzen way beyond the time that they're in and way beyond the space that they're in. So we think, okay, that's obvious, you know, that's just the way Hashem made it, that you could think about, you, you could imagine and desire and want all different things. But there's a, there's a reality to that. You know, there, there's a famous story, everyone I'm sure has heard of this, Amaisa, that there was a year that was davening by the Radichever, right? And after davening, so the Radichever says to him, welcome back from Leipzig. I never was in Leipzig. I never left Bardich of my whole life. He says, no, by davening, you were in Leipzig. You know? That's where your head was. You were dreaming about Leipzig. And that's where you were. There is an idea that where a person, where a person wants to be, where their deepest desire is attached to, that's where they are. Now, there's all different layers to desire, right? So obviously, to, you know, if, you know, if I pick up this cup of tea, so obviously there's a certain level of desire to pick it up. That's why I picked it up. So that level of desire that I had to pick up this cup of tea, that's a desire that's still 957. Dick. But there are certain, there's a certain layer of desire that is so deep and so profound and so one with the very essence of who I am that's not limited to the space and time that I'm in. In other words, we, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. When you peel back the layers of who we are to the very, very core, we, the, the very core of who we are is the chilek of the kavimamish, is a piece of Hashem Himself. So when we, this whole idea of what we're talking about is step one and step two. There's us. We do our avodah, and then Hashem does His avodah. That's all assuming that there's an us versus Him, right? Which means that 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 whole process of tefillah, that whole process of step one and step two, that's working within the parts of ourselves that's not godly. But if you're able to get to that deepest core of who you are, that deepest core of who you are is itself unlimited by time and space because that deepest core of who you are is the Rabbanishalim himself. So ironically, when you get to the very, very deepest kishkas of who you are, then everything you're doing, even when you're doing it, it's the Rabbanishalim doing it. There's a whole idea of there being a step one and then a step two. And step two is limited to step one. We start and Hashem responds. That's because there's an us and there's a him. But if we can get to that deepest place inside of ourselves, that, that who we are is the Rabbanu Shalom himself, is an extension of God, then automatically there's no, there's no step one and step two. Then everything, then even when we are going through the process of sifting, then it's also God doing the process of sifting. And whatever God does is automatically not limited to 957. So here's the fundamental question. How do we get to that very, very core of who we are? And the answer is, 
the Ratzin that is expressed in Kriyashma. See, one of the Yom of Kriyashma is to one of the deepest kavanas and the deepest kaiches that, that is unleashed by Kriyashma is to imagine that you're willing to dial Kiddush Hashem. That's what, you know, Tisha B'Av, it's one of the, 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 the Iker theme of, of Tisha B'Av is Mesiris Nefesh, right? I mean, obviously, it's, 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 it's mourning over the unfortunate, you know, situation of Mesiris Nefesh over the generations. But the Indian of Mesiris Nefesh, the Sarugi Malchus and so on, the Indian of Mesiris Nefesh means that that, that moment where, where the Jew, Lolenu, is given that test of everything to give up everything for their Banishlam. And that moment is a moment of where the deepest Ratzin, the deepest Ratzin is given expression. And the deepest Ratzin of who we are, the deepest Ratzin is an expression of who we essentially are, which is, which is a piece of the Banishlam, a piece of the Divine Presence. And that Ratzin is itself above time and space. This is why, by the way, there's a Kabbalah from the Kadmainim, that if a Jew, God forbid, is in that situation of dying al-Kiddush Hashem, he doesn't feel any pain. Before, the moment of Histalkus, there's no pain at all. The eye, he's there. The answer is he's not. Because at that moment, when there is a Giloi of the deepest, you know, let's put it this way, the word Ratzin, I'm, I'm like circling it, the, the word Ratzin equals Begimachia, the word Hashem, the name of a person. Like who you are, is defined based on what you want. And just as there's different layers to what you want, there's different layers to who you are. So there's a certain layer of Ratzin which was to pick up this cup of tea, but is that who I am? I mean, to a certain degree, but that's not the etzim of who I am. So what, where, where, how, how much, you know, where, where's the Ratzin that is revealing the essence of who I am? Well, the only Ratzin that truly reveals the essence of who I am is the Ratzin that I'm willing to give up everything for that. That really defines who you are. And so the deepest rutzen of a Jew is to give everything up for God. That's the revelation of who you truly are, which is a piece of Hashem himself. And because of that, that moment, that, that rutzen, that's the essence that's revealed in that moment of rutzen is above time and space. And so says the Baal Tanya as follows. What's the Avoid of Kriyishma? The Avoid of Kriyishma is to realize, realize twice a day, that you would give everything up for the Rabbanu Shalom. You mamish would give every, your family, your dignity, your life, you would give everything, everything up for God. And at that moment, at that moment what's happening is, is that you're disconnecting yourself from all the negativity that would ever be in your life. Because at that moment, the rutzen that you have, which is to attach yourself to Hashem and detach yourself from everything negative, because that Ratzin is an expression of the deepest part of who you are. So it, it's therefore unlimited to time and space. And at that moment, you're both doing step one and not doing anything at the same time. At that moment of... You understand what I'm saying? Is this, is this clear? That, the Indian of Kriyashma is to be able to, to separate yourself from all negativity, but it's not you doing it. It's, it's revealing that, that who you are is, is the Shekhinah Taish, is the Rabbanu Shalom himself. And at that moment, everything you do is therefore unlimited to time and space. That's the secret of Kriyishma. So the secret of Ach, so what's the secret of Achishana? The secret of Achishana is to serve the Rabbanu Shalom with, to do mitzvahs and to learn Torah, to serve the Rabbanu Shalom, to, 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 you know, to be a Yid with Mesiris Nefesh, with Mesiris Nefesh. And with a sense and with a feeling that I, I would, I, if I had to, I'd give everything up for this moment. 
Baltani and Sefer Tani, this is a big major theme in, in Sefer Tani, where he says that one of the keys to become a big tzaddik and to really unleash the kaychas of your nefesh kiss is to realize in every moment of Avaydas Hashem, in every mitzvah that you do, that if you needed to, you would die for this. That, that, that's a heaviness. But that, that idea, that those thoughts at that moment, it's a kriyashmatika moment. At that moment, what's happening is, is that the sifting process that you're going through, you, you, who, the you that's doing it is not a human being anymore. It's not Bechlal, a regular person picking up a cup of tea. This is, this is mamish, a, a piece of the Rabbanish Shloylam. And because of that, then everything that you're doing is Rabbanish Shloylam, and it's unlimited to time and space. So this is a way in which you can, you can both, you can, you can go through the process of tefillah, which is step one and step two, but nothing is limited to a human being's range. Because even the step one that you did, you were doing it with a part of you that's infinite. So whenever you're doing something with a part of you that's infinite, then the response is also infinite. And this is what the, what the Arizal said, that if, if Yidin said Kriyishma with the right Kavana, then that would be Maharasa Ketz. That would, that would hasten Geula. Because to, to say Kriyishma with the right Kavana means, it doesn't just mean Kriyishma, it means that to do every mitzvah that we, that every, every mitzvah that we do, in every aspect of the Hashem that we do it, to do it with a realization that we would die for it. And, and, and that thought, that thought unleashes infinite kaychas within ourselves, and therefore the, 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 the accomplishment, whether it be step one and step two, is also infinite. And then all of a sudden, nine, through those thoughts, 957 is taken care of, 958, 959, and that's how you could be memaris akates. You could bring Mashiach early in your own life and collectively by by serving the Rebbeinu with mesiris nefesh and with thoughts of mesiris nefesh. Let's read just the last paragraph together inside, and then we'll then we'll stop. That's the meaning of Shema Yisrael. Shema in Tanakh also means not just to hear. It means to gather together. It means to to gather your kaiches together to really harness your energy. And to and to focus yourself and your life. Kamai Vayishma Shol, that Shol gathered together, the word Shema means. Hainu Mesiris Nefesh, Mikol Aritzanis Nachrius. It means at that moment when a person is faced with Mesiris Nefesh, it means what flashes before the person's eyes, at that moment of, of Nisayan, whether, you know, bow to the cross or not, at that moment what flashes before their eyes is every possible thing that they could do the rest of their lives if they, if they bow down to the cross. Right? Any, any, all the different possibilities. And what they're doing is, they're gathering themselves from all of that and saying, no, I'm going to give that all up for this moment. So he says like this, that's called Shema Yisrael. That's called gathering yourself to be Maeser Nefesh. Not to want anything, just to do what God wants. There shouldn't be any foreign element. This is, by the way, this is why in Chesiris we find such a major avoid, Rabbi Nachem Breslover, such a major avoid of living in the moment, right? It's a very... Uh, you know, current idea, but in, in the Svarmak it's a very, very beginning, that, 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 that there should be a certain level of nefesh, of being equilibrium, of all I have is the very moment of right now, Hayyim, right? It's a famous tire from Hayyim. So what's, that, that also is, is this idea because what you're doing is you're gathering yourself from all future times. Like you're not, you're not allowing yourself to be distracted. If all I have is right now in the midst in front of me, then that's all, then I put all my kachas into this. There is no tomorrow and there was no yesterday. It's all right now. And so when a person has that idea, that's called Mesir's Nefesh. 
That's the meaning of the Gemara, right? What did the Gemara say? It's a famous story. Rishub and Levi meets Mashiach, and he asks Mashiach, right? First he meets Elyonovi, and he says, I want to meet Mashiach. So Elyonovi says the address where Mashiach is. He goes to Mashiach, and he says, Mashiach, when are you coming? When are you coming? And so Mashiach says, Hayoim, today. It's So fine, the day comes, day passes, Mashiach didn't come. So what happens? He goes back to Elyonovi, he says, Mashiach's a liar. No, no, Mashiach's not a liar. He didn't finish his sentence. He said, Hayoim, Today, if you listen to my voice, Shkayach. So what type of story is that? You think Yishuv and Levi like left in the middle of the sentence? The answer is, when Mashiach is, Mashiach is giving an avoida. if you want Mashiach to come today, then you have to, then, then all that exists to you has to be today. Because once there's a tomorrow and the next day, there's the next day, then that means already your energy in this moment is being, is being stretched thin. Because there's a part of you thinking about tomorrow and there's a part of you thinking about the next day, so already, you're not all in on right now. To be all in on right now, that's what it means to be serious nefesh. Like, again, it might be hard for us to imagine like, like, like being, you know, dying al Kiddush Hashem. But to translate it for us, it means not to think about anything else but the very moment. When a person can focus exclusively on right now, that means that you're, that you're that, that's called serious nefesh. That's called you're, you're, you're willing to die for this moment because that's all there is. And so that's a way of, 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 of gathering yourself, of, 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 of gathering yourself into this moment and unleashing the deepest rutsin that you have. And the deepest rutsin that you have is, 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 is the Chelek Elikam Mamish, which is, which is Hashem Himself, so to speak, which is by its very definition unlimited. That's called Achishanu. So he says, um, and by having this thought of Shema Yisrael, by Mesir Nefesh, that's gathering together all the, all the chaos that we might find ourselves in throughout the day, it gathers it together. Like the Pasuk says, that, you know, if Kala Yisrael is scattered throughout the whole world, Hashem will gather us together. We have to do that in our own Avaidah. And therefore, when you say Shema, and you gather yourself from all the external desires, and you focus on the one deepest, most internal desire of right now, it's like, I don't want heaven, I don't want earth, I just want Hashem Himself. By disconnecting and disengaging from all foreign desires, you have this effect of 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 having everything, of having Tyra in a way of uh, feel in a way of Tyra, of fusing the two together, of having they're having the 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 response from of of even step one being infinite and step two being infinite, and that's the key to so halacha So to sum up, two complicated shiurim very very simply. The key to achishana is to serve the rebbeinu with mesiris nefesh. To serve the rebbeinu with mesiris nefesh. What does it mean with mesiris nefesh? So it means, obviously, each one, each, uh, to, to the, the, the highest degree, it means pushing ourselves beyond what we think our limits are. And to imagine ourselves willing to die for over this session. But all of that boils down to one simple thing, and maybe this is the, the more you know, uh, basic advice that we have to work on, which is to really just to focus on what's in front of us. When you focus on what's in front of you, which is Hayyim, then automatically you're not being distracted by anything else and you're willing to put all your kachas into something. If you know, like it's, you know, like, you know, the fourth quarter, you know, all the, you know, football coach, you know, talk, at the very, very end, there's no, there's nothing, there's no reason to hold back any energy. Like, this is it. 
So because we have a thought of like there might be a tomorrow, there might be a next day, so automatically what we're doing right now is limited. So then the rutzen that we put into the moment is not the deepest rutzen, it's the human being rutzen. And because of that, then the step one is limited by human being, step two is therefore limited as well. But if we can allow ourselves to really be in the moment and, and, and embrace Avodis Hashem as it is in front of us, then we could, we could allow the deepest rutzen of who we are to express itself in our avayda of overcoming the, the nisayin of that moment. And then that piece of us is, like I said, infinite and above time and space because it's a piece of Hashem. And then ironically, even though it's step one and step two, fundamentally it's all Hashem. Because even step one was really Hashem because it was, a, it was coming from a part of us which is mamish divine. That's the ikr, mesiris nefesh. That's the ikr. And, and again, the whole avayda of Tishabav is to try to connect to the mesiris nefesh of early generations. When we say kinnis, halvay we shouldn't, but mesir should come. But if we end up saying kinnis, then it's not just time to cry and, and, and think about bad things. It's really trying to connect to the energy of mesiris nefesh that our ancestors put out there. And it's untapped resources. Untapped resources, we have to connect to that. And the more mesiris nefesh we can gather together, through Tishabov and, and infuse in our Avoida, that's Mamish the Kita Achishana. No, we should be Zacha to say Krishma Kavana, to be Maishin Nevishan of Hashem. We should be Zacha to see the Gulashem Vamitis Bakar of Mamish.